Listen, we're talking to Trevor Moat, uh, mental conditioning expert. And listen, I, I, I want to go and, and talk this through because Trevor, when I, when I played, we didn't have the resources available. I played from 92, 1992 through 2004. I, would, I couldn't imagine having the strength, the mental strength, to be able to talk to someone, actually, actually be able to talk to someone who can provide me the mental strength and the mental conditioning to, to lift my game to the next high. Because it was always, in my mind, it was always just work harder. Yeah. Get in the weight room. Uh, yeah, listen, you made a mistake, go harder, not yeah. look at it from a different perspective. So today, and, I, and, and listen, our listeners that are out there right now uh, probably know about you a lot, but I want to go back a little bit further and talk about your journey and what led you to this point in your life. Yeah. Well, so, uh, again, first of all, uh, great to join you guys. Um, you know, it's a really, you know, uh, Darren, I think in and you, Ben, or Tyler's experience, you're not alone. Because I, I remember when I started, and, and I'll, I'll get to the evolution, but when I you know, started at IMG Academy in 2000, uh, sports psychology, the psychological architecture, developing the mind was the future of sports. You know, they're starting to write some articles. You just had that big wave starting with Mark Verstegen and, you yeah. know, sort of the change in training where training was, was sort of leaving bigger, faster, stronger, grip it, rip it, only Olympic lifting and transitioning to functional training, football players training like football players, girls soccer players training like girls soccer players. You know, you, you started to have that segmentation. But two, uh, 20 years later, sports psychology is still the future of sports, which means it never had a present. Well, 20 years yeah. later, still the future. <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, so, so I, 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 and I, you know, I think if you look at the vast majority – I think maybe three or four college programs are using it actively the way, you know, uh, Coach Saban did and, and does. Um, uh, you know, the NFL, obviously, it's part of the draft process. They'll have a guy in EAP. Sometimes they'll have, you know, whatever you call it, mental skills. Uh, you know, but uh, if you don't position it the right way, um, you know, it, it's tough to get started. Um, and there's so many stereotypes and so many things from that perspective. But let me give you a little bit of my evolution. Um, you know, uh, I, I grew up in the mid-70s, and uh, I was born in the mid-70s. My dad had been a high school teacher and a coach uh, in Washington State. Um, and um, he, uh, after 12 years, he'd won a state championship. Um, uh, post, post-mortem, I uh, went in the Hall of Fame uh, in the state. So, you know, I was uh, – my family were, my mom taught special education and uh, my, my dad was a high school basketball coach, uh, English teacher, and then also taught um, these things called pep talks, personal enrichment principles. And uh, in the mid seventies, so right when I was born, about four high school coaches got together that were all state championship football, baseball, and basketball coaches. And they'd had so much interest from these things they were doing with their teams on uh, the power of the mind and setting goals and putting a plan together and, and, and learning how to minimize negativity and, and just adding that layer to their programs. Uh, you know, they'd started working with junior colleges, colleges to get continuing education credits. They just basically got together and formed a company called the Pacific Institute. Um, and 
the business world was really fascinated. Seattle has a great business community, uh, Boeing, uh, McDonnell Douglas, you know, a lot of those places. And these coaches that had master's degrees in physical education, um, you know, built this first company called the Pacific Institute. And uh, uh, the business world at the time, Darren, an eight and a half hour workday, even by the mid to late 70s, you were getting four hours of employee productivity per day. And if the employee was going through divorce or emotional distress, it was 1.5 out of 8.5 hours a day, you had a level of efficiency from an employee. So that was a a real problem um, for the business community. So they, they, uh, you know, looked at these guys to develop systems and they developed like manuals and then they could train people to teach them. I went on to be a good business. My dad in the early eighties, left that he would work in sports my dad worked with uh, coach tarkanian yep. back when they had Jerry, reggie yeah the shark yep they had reggie theus and those guys john mcleod and the phoenix suns in the 80s and then bernie bickerstaff and uh, sonics but there was no money in that you know like like if uh uh coach bickerstaff goes to wally walker who was running the sonics at the time and says hey i want to bring in this program it's going to work on our mindset our mentality our approach uh, uh, you know, how we manage success, how we deal with adversity, you know, uh, I mean, excuse my language while he's like, what the fuck is your job? Like, right. <laughs> that's why we pay you. Right. So, so, you know, there wasn't a place for it. So my dad did most of that. And then with Steve Lavin at UCLA, uh, for fun mm-hmm. and a lot of high school programs, a lot of high school coaches actually Mercer Island, a great basketball program. Uh, they're one of their, uh, the head coach of Point Loma Nazarene, which kind of like Abilene Christian. Yes, uh, sir. Play it uh, again. I'm going to jump on. I'm going to jump on uh, and talk to his team today because my dad used to spend time with his grandpa's team, which is crazy. Um, so uh, I was raised in that environment. It was a really interesting way uh, to grow up. Um, my dad was a big believer in the minimization of negativity. We, we weren't allowed to watch the news uh, at home outside of the weather or sports. Uh, no country music. Um, what? Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, or rhythm and, you know, rhythm and blues. I had, uh, you know, my dad traveled 200, 250 days a year. So they would play audio tapes a night of like Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, uh-huh. my dad. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, a lot of uh, like uh, uh, target campaigning and affirmations with me, uh, which were not like outcome based, but I take setbacks as temporary and I bounce back quickly you know, all these little young statements kind of. So they were using you. I mean, they used you. Were you like uh, someone that, that your father used as far as. He was built in a lab. Yeah, he was. <laughs> you, yeah, I think you were the guinea mom, pig. Yeah, I think my mom said that, you know, because I'm seven years younger than my older brother. So he, and, and my dad was full time in this, in this new world. I never grew up with him as a coach or a teacher. Although I think what this is is similar teaching. Yeah. So it, it was, it was an interesting way. Uh, to grow up, but, you know, I went to, uh, and my dad was first generation, uh, you know, his family immigrated or came originally from Lebanon. So he was kind of, as he moved into this new field was the first time kind of started to make money. And, you know, like a third home we had, I was able to go to private school and, and all that stuff, but it was an interesting way to grow up. Um, But I was really skeptical. And I think that that's important for me uh, and I think why I've kind of found a place in this industry, uh, because uh, the positive thinking idea never really resonated with me. You know, the idea of like, you know, something goes wrong, just be positive. 
other, other things foundationally, like first you form a habit, then that habit forms you, you know, the, the putting a plan into place, all that stuff sort of resonated, but the positive negative thing, you know, I, I understood like the negative don't go there, but the positive thing never really resonated uh, until I got uh, my second year in college. I just finished my basketball season at Occidental in, in Los Angeles and I got really sick and uh, they weren't sure what I had. They thought I had cancer initially. I ended up with shingles and all sorts of different colitis and all sorts of different stuff. But I had to drop out of college and kind of go through this really scary time, uh, take a year off of sports. And uh, when I was going through that experience, all of a sudden the way I thought, you know, Ben, Darren, Tyler, like now thinking didn't feel optional. Mm -hmm. Where in general, if I woke up and I wanted to be an asshole or sabotage myself psychologically, mm -hmm. I could do it. But when you're sick, like you're no sicker the day after diagnosis than you are the day before. But I'm telling you, man, you feel differently. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. you, you know, and, and yeah. so your mind all of a sudden, you know, being a dumbass with your mind and not, not like thinking about like, what am I saying out loud? What am I watching? What am I consuming? Like all that in, in 93, uh, 94 became, oh my God, everything my dad's been telling me for 18 years, this, this shit's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, like no, nobody knows that positive thinking, if it works or not, but everybody understands that negative thinking does work. Right. And it works negatively. And from 83% or above from the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, every study, whether it's the externalization, the internalization, the consumption, the watching, is that negative thinking will fuck you up. Mm -hmm. And it will weaponize you against you. And, and so, you know, that was, you know, I graduated, played a couple of years of, I would call it pro soccer, but I lived with the lawn chairs in my apartment. So we didn't make any money. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was going to grad school and teaching. But I taught two years in LA Unified School District, which was probably the best experience in the world for me, just because I had 150 kids, maybe 15 to 20 wanted to go to college. Yeah. I graduated a graduating class of 50 students, or 23 went to the Ivy League. Yeah. Uh, so it was massive for me to go into this 45 kids a class and get my ass beat, you know, every day until I figured out how to talk to people. All right. Um, grad, you know, I went there and. Um, my girlfriend and I at the time were up hiking in Angel's Crest and we got chased by a bunch of gangbangers. And uh, I'd been in LA and I had no money. I was like, man, get me out of this place. Like I love Southern California, but if you don't have any money, it's not a fun place to be. All yeah, yeah, that's hard living. <laughs> it's hard living. And, and uh, so we moved to, uh, my buddy was playing for the LA galaxy, got traded to the Miami fusion. We moved out with him uh, in Delray beach, Florida. Started teaching there for two years. Went to a coaching clinic, met Mark Verstegen, the mm -hmm. great strength coach who formed uh, Athletes Performance at Exos. Yep. Uh, and then uh, wrote for an internship in the sports psychology department. Uh, wrote like eight letters. My dad flew out, went and met with the guy. Got an internship. Um, and then 2000, 2001, was teaching at $33,000. Took a pay cut to $26,000. What were you teaching? What were you teaching? Uh, so, great question. Uh, all social sciences. My master's was in social sciences. So I could teach anything from uh, geography to US history, uh, to psychology, to, you know, kind of everything. And I made up, I was teaching kind of like sports psychology class. I was coaching men's and women's soccer, men's and women's golf. I did for four years. I coached club soccer uh, for eight years. So I, I really just kind of had that teaching 
education background when I went to the clinic at IMG. I said, this is what, like, I want to teach, but I don't want to teach U.S. history. I'd yeah. rather teach sports psychology. And I'd had the exposure to my dad my whole life, uh, who was an in incredible teacher, ended up being one of the original authors of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, mm -hmm. president of the National Association for Self-Esteem. I was a believer um, and, and not in a way where I was trying to evangelize, but where I had unique empathy because of my own experience right. um, and enough athletic experience. So that was it. You know, I got to Bradenton and here I am. I'm going to start teaching, but I'm going to have to learn how to start teaching sports psychology. Right. Well, a second ago, you said when you got sick is when you really, you flipped the switch in your mind Yeah. that it wasn't bullshit anymore. This is, this is legit. What, what were you, what did you want to be before you got sick? Was, was teaching always in the cards or did that change no. once you got? Uh, uh, professional soccer player. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we, and, and probably more so, and you know, or, 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 I mean, you know, you're, you're Ben, you're putting my mind back to 18. Like, <laughs> like let me say, what do you want to be? And you're just like, yeah. uh, I want to be with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, that, is that a job? Yeah. Uh, but, and the uh, reason I ask is because we talk about, you know, somebody can say one thing and that totally changes your mind on a subject or, or it gets you thinking and, and going down a different path or an experience. Like you said, you got sick and that yeah. changes you on a different, that's why I ask. I, I'm curious. Well, I, people, people always think because of what my dad did that uh, like I somehow grew up wanting to do this. Mm -hmm, right. I interned with my dad. I mean, I was at a lot of his events. I sold books in the back and different things. I loved what my dad did. Don't get me wrong but I never had ever thought about doing it. Interesting. You know, now I was uniquely probably engineered to do it, but my dad would never care it either. Like if I wanted to be a fireman, all my dad wanted, what I've learned is that when life hit me, when I went through divorce, when I go through, went through health challenges, went through personal things, financial lawsuits, what, whatever the stuff and good stuff, you know, success and all those things, what my dad wanted and I figured it out after he died was that I had a skill set to handle it mm, yeah. so almost like you know wax on wax off paint the fence you're like why am i doing this ralph macho you guys uh, ben and tyler might be a little young but i know darren's with me <laughs> and all of a sudden one day you're in this situation and you start using all this stuff because you were conditioned to do it right and, and that's why but i also will, will go with this as i go back to y'all um think about I, my dad wasn't my dad was really good at teaching it he wasn't, you know, like an over-the-top life coach. He was practical. I mean, he dealt with organizations, the military. And by at 18, I still, I, I respected it. I followed the path. I didn't really believe it. Mm -hmm. And it took that for me to buy in. So that gives me such unique empathy to Darren's original question. Why aren't more people doing this? Look what it took for me to buy in. Right. right. Yeah. True. You know, so that's why you know i always was really careful even as i started in this field you know can i have a career in it right you know and as as you as we'll talk more you ask questions uh you know after three or four years i moved out into the way broader training licensing the bigger stuff at img um where i could actually start to make some money um you know from that perspective okay right, so you're at img and what's that transition to you know working with athletes and, and prepping them for the combine and making sure that these young athletes are, are, are strong mentally. Um, what, what takes you to these next steps and, you know, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the limitless minds, 
um, you know, organization that you partnered with Russell Wilson on? That's a great question. Like, truthfully, um, I, I was so fortunate, and I think Chad would say the same thing, because guys like Darren or, 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 or you guys were going to be going to Bradenton anyways. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, like, if you signed with IMG initially, like, that's well, let me Let me stop you there. Nowhere ever was I on <laughs> IMG's radar. <laughs> they wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> the, 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 the unique opportunity is the athletes were going to be there. Right. Yeah. right? So, so uh, but I was raised with the understanding to make the big time where you are. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the players at Alabama got a different version of me than the under 15 girls team I coached in Boca Raton, Florida. Right. Because my dad said, you know, there's no point in trying to go someplace if you're not good where you're at right now. You know, so, mm-hmm. so like a lot of it in the 90s, I was, I was thinking, I, I was, my mind was already there. I was making videos. I was studying great athletes. Uh, I was studying good performers. But, but what Bradenton did was nine to 10 hours a day, you were going to teach like classes. And for a lot of it, if I'm just being honest, it was just fucking babysitting. It's a hundred degrees out there. Kids are sent from all over the world, 80 countries. So you're like, okay, you got uh, these three tennis groups at 6am, 8am and 10am. And then you've got these two soccer groups you know, at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m., you'll have an intern with you here. And then here, these ones, you're outside on a tennis court for an hour with 150 tennis players from Venezuela. Well, and what was the age groups? Because the age groups uh, in the, in, from the camp perspective were usually that I would deal with uh, uh, 11 to 18. Mm-hmm. But I can understand the frustration, right, when you say babysitting, right? Like, these kids are there because – either their parents sent them there for these camps or, Hey, this is the next step for me to mark on my resume that I went through this IMG deal before the combine, whatever, right? Like they're, they're there by choice, obviously, but they're not there to like really dig into it. And then if you're talking to 150 people, how much one-on-one connection and, and impact can you truly make? Yeah. You can give them tidbits. You can give them this, you can give them that. And I'm not downplaying your work, Trevor, by any yeah, means. No, no. Because, no, but but right. I get, I get that frustration, right? It's just like, well, what impact am I truly making? This is what I would, this is what I would say, Tyler. You could make the impact you wanted to make. So the reason I ended up getting a job, was I was like, the first thing I did when I, when, I, when I got there as an intern is I said, how does this sports psychology business make money? Like, how do they make money? Because I was there with nine interns. And I, I had never taken a sports psychology class. And they were, they were all in PhD programs for sports psychology. I had a master's in social sciences. But, you know, my education came from how I was raised. And, and you know, and, and, and the practical nature. And I was way more of a teacher than a clinician, mm. you know? Uh, and I still played a lot, you know, at that time, athletically, uh, uh, you know. Um, so when I got there, this was, this was fascinating. They sold packages. So if you were a student, you got like three or four group lectures, but you could buy. So Ben could buy a one-on-one package for three hours where he would meet and do an initial meeting. We would go out on the, the football field and film Ben, and we would film with no perspective, but him sort of seeing what a coach sees we would come in and we would watch it together. Um, and then we sort of evaluate his goals, his plan, things along those lines. And then I'd go out and watch Ben one more time. 
we'd give him a, his videotape and then we'd give him like a, a one or two page write-up with some mental strategies. Well, you know, none of the interns were selling those things. Well, the first week I sold 17 <laughs> and I got on the phone cause you had to make calls, but nobody took it seriously. Uh, I made 500 calls, put a script together, called the parents and basically just said, you just sent the kid here from fucking Venezuela. It's only $300 more. You already spent $1,500 more. Why wouldn't you? Right. You know, I just smoked people. Then I got to work with a lot of those things. And then the guy that was running it, a guy named Jeff Trosh is like, I need dudes like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so, so, but to the broader point, uh, as, as I got older, you could have 150 Venezuelans, but then you could do the adult group and have 16 CEOs from Sony that are down for a, a team building thing, yes. playing tennis with Nick Volatari. Yeah. Then you could go and then you could have, you know, uh, 12 basketball players, like a young, uh, I can't remember the dude that played at UMass, Joe Lewis, or, um, uh, you know, you'd have these basketball. So your, your range was all over. So it gave you, first of all, huge humility. Mm-hmm. You never walked around like you were, like if you had a really good group of CEOs or athletes, in an hour, you're going to be on a tennis court sweating your ass off. Right. <laughs> so like you never thought like, you know, because a lot of times educators get uh, egos yeah. and, and kind of all that stuff. That was never going to happen in Bradenton. Plus, you look at your paycheck. So <laughs> ultimately, uh, the Versagen said, um, we've never really done anything in the mental side. Do you guys want to uh, take the football players a couple times a week? So, yeah, do you want to take the minor league and the major league baseball players? Sheffield, Pat Burrell, um, wow, you know, those group. Yeah. Negro, uh, uh, Robbie Alomar, uh, uh, you know, Mary Pierce, you know, you had all those then. So, yeah. And so immediately we found out about the Wonderlick. So we started studying it and we and, uh, got different tests and we started teaching the guys. So the guys were an active audience. We taped specials talking about the Wonderlick. So they were engaged and over time we started to add other things. We started making everybody their own video that we would put on a CD that they'd bring with them to the combine. We'd give them these things, all their best clips, best games uh, from uh, college football combined with like a couple specials on guys who did well at the combine, like an Adam Archuleta or, you know, something along those lines. And they just started fucking around and like trying to come up. And then Condon's like, Hey, uh, Sylvester Morris had really struggled at the, at the combine. And he said, why don't you, Trevor, why don't you start going? And then we'll get you a pass. So it's like 2001, I'm like 24, 25. And now I'm going to the combine. I'm sneaking in and around there in the past with, with the past dodging coaches. And then, you know, having the tape meeting with the guys. And then uh, Tom Coughlin hears about us for Fred Taylor. Oh. And Fred, Fred Taylor was their running back their, Fred Taylor running back Fred Taylor yeah. and they tried clinical How psychology. How many times he truck you, Darren? And they said, uh, you know, and, and so we get a, we get a, an invite to go meet with Tom Coughlin. This is Tyler, this is Chad Bowling and I. So we get up there, walk into a room, still one of the scariest moments. I, I, like I'm shaking even thinking about it. So he invites us up and he says, look, you know, 10 years ago, I could say my way or the highway. Now the players are saying, put me on the fucking highway. No one listens anymore. I need to try something different. We've tried clinical psychologists with Fred. I've heard you guys are just more like teachers and more practical and it makes more sense and not clinical. Um, and then, you know, said, listen, in 40 years of coaching, I never thought I'd have to be sitting across from two fucks like you. 
Sounds like where, where, where it's at, you got four minutes. Oh, and it was like more or less that was the conversation. He may have not used the F word quite as good as I did. <laughs> but, uh, so I look at Chad, Chad looks at me, and we just start talking. Hey, this is what we're doing, this, this, and this. Four minutes goes to an hour. He says, Can you come spend time with our coaches? We get our opportunity with Fred. And then Fred really was, um, and the book talks a lot about it, but Fred was a, a real learning platform for us. Um, and then Fred went from missing uh, uh, 31 of 64 games yeah. uh, to playing 46 in a row, uh, retiring uh, just behind Jim Brown, uh, but with 11 uh, or 12, five all-purpose yards. And he, he, he probably legitimately would be in the Hall of Fame mix had he not played in Jacksonville. Yeah. But yeah. respect from guys like Darren in the league, they know Fred Taylor. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we saw him every week, every other week, and then we would do different things with the team. Uh, but more kind of through the sports medicine side, like a, like a Lance Walker or, or Coach Jurassic. Uh, yep. Sabin was ultimately uh, – so in Bradenton, I established – you know, I, I got good uh, at, at working with players, teams, and Serena, and they'd give me different people and at different times, hey, she's here for three days, can you do this? And then, so I had a wider race. So it'd be a band, it'd be like you training six sports. Mm -hmm. And I started to build a foundation. I started to realize like what works, what doesn't work. And I, I started seeing in positive thinking, the industry keeping telling people to be positive, it's not resonating with people. So I started to go away from that message. And I started to make it, let's teach Darren the fundamentals of thinking, just the basic stuff, how mm -hmm. we process information, how we learn, how movies affect us, how, but, and then let's teach Let's show Darren through case studies. So we're watching things on Lance Armstrong, Jackie Joyner Kersey, Michael Johnson, you know, Emmett Smith. And, and, and then we're cutting all that up and, and saying, why does Emmett sound like Jackie? And, and why does Jackie sound like Lance when it comes to the way they plan their season out? Right. Could there be some universality relative to a common denominator that if you did too with your ability could help you? So everything was taught like that as opposed to laying on the ground and breathing and be positive, you can do it and all that stuff. Not that there's not a time and place for that, but it was, it was you know, and then plus you get videos and, and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so ultimately that made probably by 2005 where I was good at a field that nobody gave a shit about, right. but I was good at it. So but I'm you cut your teeth. I mean, when you look at, I'm looking, listening to you and listening to your, your background, you cut your teeth as a teacher. How many kids were you around? How many times in the back of your mind, and I know your father <laughs> played a huge role in, but in the back of your mind, when you're thinking all the kids that you came across just as a teacher, as a social science teacher, and then going to Bradenton and seeing those same kids, how many, uh, do you feel like you, you really cut your teeth then yes. as to understand the mind and how the mind works? Yeah, thousands. Thousands of kids. And, and, uh, um, and I like took, I, I have a ton of pride. My, my niece is with me now. She plays basketball at Point Loma. She's going to be a, a teacher. I love teaching. I just didn't like teaching social sciences. Mm, right. But I loved teaching. And, and, and so I got better at the one-on-one. -on -one. Tyler, you know, you who who'd met with Chad, Chad mm -hmm. was so good one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I sat in the same office with him. I learned from him. My personality was a lot more, how do we get information to everybody? Yeah. And then Saban would be, Darren, that person that when I came in to the Dolphins, um, I want something for everybody. Mm. 
and then you know then in my mind i'm like well nobody like it's hard to get four dudes on a team you know if the jaguars I, like we would do some group stuff but mike ryan the head athletic trainer would basically be um all right you're gonna meet with uh uh and 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 then great guys like leftwich leftwich trained at the draft yeah. with us in bradenton had a broken leg you remember the famous carrying thing oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um so he stayed like six months well, he's, he would always be at Chad's house or my house. Right. So, but he never thought he, if you said, did you ever do sports psychology? He said, no, but he was with us all the time. Right. Soaking it in. And, and, yep. and, and so in, in Bradenton or in uh, Jacksonville, every time I'd go in, I'd have a video for, for, for BLEF. And then we would sit down and talk for 45 minutes, but he would never think that he was meeting with a sports psychologist right you know and and, and and or a mental coach or whatever right yeah and i think that that was really helpful for us um you know someone uh, because i was with byron the day he got cut yeah. and jack sent me down there four months earlier when all the friction started happening between del rio calling him out publicly and byron and then they hired munkin and, and byron saying you know hey he needs to come up and meet with me Byron wasn't returning Jack's calls. Then it was the pride and the other stuff. And then he's, Jack calls me, which is rare. And I go up there and he says, Hey, can you talk to Byron and know your friends? I just need him to come meet the new coordinator. You know, he's, you got, and then, so I go down Byron, Byron's training with Bomberito at the mm -hmm. hard rock. And then he's at the hard rock cafe. And he's like, I know why you're here. Don't <laughs> psychologize me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just kind of went in and said, look, I'm just going to tell you, call you know and then we just had a conversation and uh, yeah. i think at the end of the day um uh you know it was like see this guy see this guy uh you know so you saw eight nine ten guys and it was not clinical as much tyler is more like it were they were they were relational you know, really yeah. yeah relational and then good player really good players yeah and you're helping them um you know like i wouldn't have had the skill set for randy gregory um yeah. you know he would have needed not that i couldn't have a relationship with him but he would have needed somebody, you know, I probably got like a 38 IQ and he would have needed somebody, you know, with a lot more uh, ability. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, what's interesting is as you're sitting here talking about this, you're starting with the, the, the person you're talking to has a defense mechanism. They're, they have a line of defense up because as you're sitting there saying, like, I don't know about you guys, but I never put any thought into the mental side of the game growing up. It was all physical. How can I improve physically? And if you try to come talk to me about the mental side, I'm, what are you talking? Who are you? So you're yeah. having to break that down first, build yeah. a relationship, and then show the value of what you do. But that's the power of the relationship aspect and the approach right. that way, right? Like I'm not shoving it down. I'm not giving you a lecture. I'm not telling you you're doing this thing wrong. Like it's the relationship aspect. And it sounds like yeah. you're but you're doing, but it, but what I did learn is if you come in from the top down the right way and you know how to manage it. Like when I came in through Nick and I got to do a lot of stuff with everybody and I, I had already learned that I'd worked with us soccer and other things, but when you're in through the head coach and you get windows of time where you're sitting down with, you know, uh, 53 guys, 61 guys, 85 guys. Um, and you, and you like have a starting platform. Um, then that's how six, seven, eight, nine guys are going to find you after and you're mm -hmm. going to build a relationship, particularly if you're plain spoken. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and if the message makes sense. Uh, but I also know, like, um, last year I started, uh, I, I helped, uh, 
you know, now like in my mid forties, most of my buddies are either uh, head coaches, coordinators, like they're making it, you're either making it in the sport by now or you're not. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, my, one of my buddies got the, the GM job with the Mets. And so I was going to help him just for a year. I'll do X amount of days. Then they'll bring in a full-time guy, but he knew I could come in and kind of create some buy-in Did the same thing with the uh, angels a couple of years ago. And, uh, but I know when he's introducing me and the president's introduced me, 78 players, uh, major league camp. I know every one of those guys is looking at like, fuck this dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know that's yeah. where I'm starting. And that's no matter how they introduce me, where I've been, whatever. But that, like I've learned, that's got nothing to do with me. Um, that's a, the yep, industry. Yep. That's yeah. B, it's a confusing industry. And C, a lot of guys that are, and gals that have been in this industry have done a shitty job. Right. You right. Know? So I like, I, like if I can't get the pitcher to look at me, like my goal might be, all right, I'm going to go on this road trip and we're going to have three conversations. I don't care what they are. Yeah. You know, and, and, and work. Cause I want to get Darren, like when I go to a team, I want to make an impact on everybody. Right. And that's why like I hold firm. I need nine minutes with the group. Yeah. I need 13 minutes. I need something. And uh, you know, and, and that's, that, uh, you know, it's allowed me, but in, in 19 years, I've never signed more than a one year contract. And a lot of people would say I'm one of the better ones in this industry. Yeah. Right. But that, we'll say it for you. You are the best one in the industry. We'll say it. We'll, we'll, right. we'll be the ones to say it. So you don't have to, but have you found reaching the masses? You've been more successful by, Hey, I'm going to address a 53 man roster, uh, in the front of a team meeting room on Tuesday afternoon as pre-scout or, Hey, I'm going to spend intentional time with four or five of the influencers in that locker room, change those guys, let them go change the rest of the team. I, for me, I feel like you got to have access to the whole team. Yeah. Uh, and, and because the video technology, like if you look at some of the stuff we've, I mean, I have three guys led by this guy named John Schultz that make all these videos that are educational. We don't sell them, but I mean, they got everything about thinking adversity mindset plus clips of you. I could have Ben at Abilene Christian. Ben might not even know clips exist. I might have Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's his, uh, <laughs> it's his mom's VHS recorder that she used to put up on her shoulder. <laughs> of yak but like even my eight years at alabama uh even like the toughest guys they know if i'm coming in we're gonna watch like a five six minute video and i'm gonna talk four or five minutes then i have my different guys i meet with yeah but all of the guys like two man will say hey when are you showing your video so at a minimum i've established a value in that educational motivational place and i'll never forget uh, two years ago i'm with jake Fromm, our quarterback yeah. Uh, we're, we're at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. We're at the Rose Bowl uh, getting ready to play Oklahoma. And all I really cared about the, this job is how do you build relevance? I know sports psychology, mental condition is only going to be three, four, five percent of the equation. They got to get big. They got to get fast. They got to get strong. They got to study film. They got to do all those things. But how do I establish myself so when someone like me is needed, I'm there and that I become just a part of what they do? Uh, Darren before the game, Tyler before the game. So I always have this window uh, two days before the game or the, or the day of the game where I'm going to show the whole team something, and then I get five, six minutes to talk right before our head coach does the team talk. And then uh, that night or the morning, that's when I have like a conference room, small one, and that's where I meet with my guys. Could be all the receivers. A receiver coach will walk them in like a Cortez Hankton, will walk them in, 
and then all and then we'll watch a video and then we'll we'll kind of go through hey triggers key things if we didn't play well why wouldn't we you know what are the three or four things you're focusing on if he goes in to man coverage like just simple things you know not like hey let's lay down and start thinking about climbing mount everest yeah unfortunately the industry does so but i'll never forget uh it's the morning and in my mind i'm thinking like okay i gotta have a good plan for jake it's 18 years old it's national semifinal so i'd been with Jameis winston and i know like saying his name like like people probably want to punch me in the face but i I like Jameis and had a really good relationship with Jameis. i understand all the other stuff you know i'm not excusing that but that wasn't where i lived with him and Jameis was 18 years old when we won the national championship at Florida State uh, and led a, 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 a drive in a minute 19 yeah. and, uh, and, and win that national championship game. And Jameis was 26 and one as a college football player. So I called Jameis and said, hey, um, I'm meeting with Fromm uh, in the morning. Do you think you can jump on, maybe give him 15, 20 minutes? Uh, he said, yeah, what do you need me? I said, look, you were 18 when you played, he's 18. I don't care what the fuck you say, but you, you just, whatever you want to say, I don't need to know. Um, and so I meet with Jake, we kind of watch our video and then we watch Jameis's final drive, you know, and all the audio, all the thing. And I have multiple TVs set up and then I, I get a hold of Jameis. I said, do you want, I do have some time to talk to Jameis and Jake's like, absolutely. So I step out of the conference room. I see Maria Taylor uh, walking towards me. She's like, what's wrong with Jake? You know, cause she's not only a commentator, but she's went to Georgia and I was like, nothing. She's like, why is he meeting with you? Well, Jake and I meet every morning, you know, before the games. The hell do you mean? <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was like, man, it's just what we do. Really? Are you sure? You know, I start laughing. And, and then that's just like, that's just where this industry is going to live. Right. You know I mean? and, and, and Jake's not going to go after the game and say like, but for me to be a part of those guys, and I met with uh, 33 players uh, the night before the game or the morning. You know, and, and, and that's, you know, and that is how I win. I don't, it's not a ton of money. Now that I'm moving into the business world, that's where you can make money. Right. The one thing I would say about my 19 years in sports, obviously I'm still, I'm going to, I'm going to work this season with uh, Mel Tucker. Uh, right now, like everything's crazy. We're kind of trying to figure it out in the world, as you guys all know. Well, need um, more than ever now. Yeah. You do, but it, so a lot of it, like I'll have Michigan State tonight on Zoom meetings. I'll have a couple basketball teams. And we're following kind of like six units. We have this plan. Uh, but, you know, like as a consultant, you can't even be on a campus right now. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and as a consultant, I don't want to be flying to a campus right now either. I mean, we, with some of the stuff that you're, you know, we just don't know. Um, so I think what the sports world did, even though, you know, uh, like Tony Robbins can stand on, on his, you know, wallet and talk to the clouds. You yeah. know, I've never been like that for me. Uh, but as I transitioned more, um, Maria Shriver, President Kennedy's niece, invited me to L.A. and sat me down uh, a few years ago. And she said, you don't even have any social media. Uh, you know, it's hard to find out anything about you. And yet I've learned this thing like neutral thinking and this different message that you're teaching. Uh, instead of 150 athletes, you need to be speaking to 150 million people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, man, I can't even win speaking to my fucking wife and my people. And then I, and I, and I just didn't believe it because you guys know the humility that sports gives you yeah. about the head coach, about the athletes, like the athletes, you know, I look at these, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and all these different guys who are killing it. They're making money and the, you know, but their messages I've made 800 million. Look at fucking me. 
Yeah. Look right. at me. Yep. And look at because I did it, you can do it. And if I was to do that to an athlete, he'd give me a half a peace sign so quickly. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't a thing. But, but now I'm learning. <laughs> but I'm learning. Yeah. You know, like I, I need to go get social media. I hired Tony Robbins PR firm. I'm selling a book. You know, uh, my What's agent. The What's the name of the book? It takes what it takes. Yep. Right here. Uh, it takes what it takes. And, and so, so if it does take what it takes, you got to have social media. I'm not going to do it the way the other, but we're, we're going to share our messages. We're going to talk. We're going to, you know, I'm going to hire a PR firm that I spent all the money I got for the book on a PR firm so I could get a second book. Um, and, uh, you know, the book ended up being a bestseller, uh, which is incredible. Uh, awesome. I wrote it with Andy Staples from Sports Illustrated and, um, and now The Athletic. And, um, but most importantly, high school coaches, high school kids, teachers, business people, it's 12, 12 chapters. It's simple. There's not, if there was, you know, I told Andy, if a word has more than two syllables, we've got to take it out. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it there makes it sense. Does happen. Yeah. yeah. But, but you that know what I'm saying, hard. Aaron? Like, yeah. now my mission, when Maria said that, at first I was kind of like, eh. But then, then, then like a month later, I'm like, a Kennedy's asking me to serve. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, yeah. And she found me as a big deal. And I started thinking, well, how do you do this? And then out of the blue, you know, Russell and I did an ESPN show, QB to QB. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so like uh, someone from HarperCollins uh, saw it and uh, they had done, uh, uh, who's the trainer? Uh, Jordan's trainer, Tim Grover. Yeah, Tim Grover. They'd done his book. Yeah, Tim Grover. They'd done Grover's book and then they did Shoe Dog. And so they called me. I thought they were joking. So I called a bunch of my friends in Seattle, told them to stop pranking me. <laughs> and, uh, but then we did the book and, and now it's interesting with Instagram and other things. And particularly as the world shut down, I actually can reach more people. Had I not done that, I wouldn't be on this show, you know, and I'm learning the value strategically of getting your message out, but doing it in a way, trying to still maintain um, that edge in the sports world, you know, um, and, uh, and then build some relevance in the business. World. Yeah. So, so give, give us a little in-depth background on neutral thinking. Uh, yeah. I've always, you know, again, you know, it's always been, you know, positive reinforcement. Yeah, positive visualize thing. making that interception. Visualize. visualize and, yeah. and again, you know, I played in an era where you just work harder. You didn't think about it visually, but you always heard about positive thinking, positive thing. Give us more in depth and a lot of color on neutral thinking. Okay. So first of all, this has been a blast because you guys have asked a lot of questions that I think have got us to the point where, you know, if, if I'm listening to this podcast, and I know you've got a kind of a wide audience. Now it makes sense to explain it. Some people will start just like, what's neutral thinking? And right. you know, if you don't understand the industry, you don't understand why you, would, why you would change a word. It wasn't innovation for innovation's sake. It was innovation so I could have a fucking job. You know, uh, particularly <laughs> when your population's all, all the players. Right. Um, you know, and, and not that all the players like you, but that it all makes sense. And, 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 uh, or utilize you. So as positive thinking kind of, I started, you know, I started it, it, our first year at Alabama, we were six and six and we, myself, Kevin Elko, Lonnie uh, Rosen, Elko. We, had, we had different people, you know, Nick had been using kind of coming in, you know, Elko's great platform speaker, a lot of Christian topics. Uh, and then after the season, we played Colorado in like the donkey bowl in Shreveport, 
And, uh, and classic, like we, I go to bed at like oh. one o'clock and, and it's 5 a.m. and I get a private call. And the only private call back then was Nick Saban. Mm. And I'm like, and coach is like, hey, can you come down, uh, start talking about next season? I was like, oh, we had four fucking hours to enjoy that ball game. <laughs> and so, you know, I walked down and, and you know, he was going to give me a voice. Like, what do you think? And I said, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, how we did it this year, I came in periodically. Like, I could affect and motivate, like, for, for willpower. I could get somebody to think about it in that moment. But willpower will always get its ass kicked to who you really think you are. Ah, yep. You know, like, so if you get excited about changing, then all of a sudden it gets harder. You're like, yeah, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I told coach, I said, you know, we've got this window in the summer with seven on seven and, um, and, and lifting. Um, what if we built in like a mental conditioning component within that time frame? And NCAA, we used weightlifting hours. And, and Coach Cochran and I kind of worked that out. Scott Cochran, who was a strength coach at the time, just starting – He'd been an assistant in the NBA. And um, so he said, I like the idea. He said, can you come every week? And I was like, I know I got 80 employees in Bradenton. By that time, I'd taken over as the director of performance at Bradenton <laughs> to, to oversee everything when it came to training uh, just to make more money and, 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 to, and, and to grow a little bit more um, and do bigger contracts. And, and so, uh, so we, we found the Pacific Institute, ironically, my dad started a company that had a kind of a program and twice a week uh, at the end of their weight room lifting sessions, we got the guys in and we had like a basic plan around the fundamentals of the mind. And it was simple and it was educational. And just by getting those guys together, starting the conversations, getting the different groups at the end, we kind of created this marketing campaign uh, for them. And the Pacific Institute did a great job. Uh, I came in multiple times period to, to follow up on the same message. Uh, and we went from, you know, six and six to, to 12 and 0. And, yeah. and we, what we did was we built like a, an alphabet and then we could take those words during the season and everybody had like a common language. And I started to realize that positive thinking wasn't the sell. And when I was talking to coach going into our third year, that what our players did understand was that negative thinking wasn't going to help them. And whether they're, you know, a high population coming from single parent backgrounds, high population coming from families below the poverty line, they wanted to make it, but they didn't want bullshit. Right. And so, so I spent a lot of time studying negative thinking. How is it carried? Like, how do you change it? What's the easiest way to do it? Uh, Harvard, Georgetown, all these different places. Um, And what we found out was that negative thinking was most powerfully carried by a team's language, mm-hmm. an individual's language, an organization's language. And that uh, anytime you say something out loud, it's 10 times more powerful than when you think about it. Yeah, but you know what? You're talking about, you're talking about players. Like, listen, let's, let's call it what it is. 80% of that locker room is black. Yeah. I, I don't know the percentage of coming from a single parent found, uh, family. is It was in between, it was between uh, at that time, 70 and 90. So, okay. Unbelievable. Jeez. But you, you're talking, so you're talking about, about a different area in the country. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. And you're talking about the negativity that they've experienced their entire life, entire life and taking them out of that negativity and giving them something, you know, I wouldn't say positive, but I'll say something you're, you're taking them to a neutral place. Right. Well, well, first of all, 
what you're doing is you're going to be, you're going to be realistic with them. So this is what we know about this piece of your overall human performance puzzle. Like, like, so I, I believe the mind is somewhere between three to 5% of a football player's career. So that's what I believe. You can debate it, but you know, I just don't think it is tough as you can be mentally. If you don't have the body, if you don't have the physiology, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't recover, if you don't do all those things. Now I think the mind can dictate a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So you could multiply, you move the percentage, but uh, you, you're only going to have a limited time. You're going to spend talking about it because so much of football and all sports need to be dedicated to studying film, playing, practicing, et cetera. And you're not going to change those stereotypes of which they've been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. So to, to get that weight room time, but basically what we said is we showed articles, examples, uh, tons of mic'd up stuff of uh, who was, who was Mike's best buddy, Rod, or, or uh, that played for the Cowboys. Uh, Mike Golden uh, would be, would be uh, early on in his career. Yeah, like my, Michael's best buddy was one of the DBs with you guys. Ray, Ray Crockett. Oh, Ray Crockett. Yeah, Crockett was with the, uh, the Broncos. Yes. Okay, with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. So, so they, I think they both went to Skyline or, 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 or whatever. But, uh, you know, we'd get all these mic'd up footage. And the mic'd up footage you could get from the NFL was fascinating because you had so many guys saying all the wrong shit. So many guys saying the right things. And then you'd have the outcome of like what happened after they said it. So like we, we start just getting all this information and putting together this plan. And basically what our players understood, anything I think, let's not worry about that. If it's a good thing, I'm thinking, if it's a bad thing, if I say something out loud, it has 10 times the power of, of me thinking it. So if I'm thinking, God damn, it's hot out here versus why are we in our third practice? This shit's 104 degrees. Sounds <laughs> like football players. Right? Yep. Yep. Right? So, so, what we were able to prove was that negativity was 40 to 70 times more powerful than positivity. Jeez. So when I, when I externalize the heat, my frustration, all those things, I increase the probability that what I said is what will happen by 40 to 70 times. Mm. Why is that? Okay? Why, why, why is that? when you verbalize why, why, that? It, it, well, well, first of all, uh, the verbalization is almost like putting a nail into the thought. Because in your, in your mind, it's not, uh, in your mind, until it comes out, it's just something that could be. When you say it, it becomes more practical. It just is what it is. You know, like, and that negativity, going back to 10,000 years ago, were wired to receive negativity much more effectively than to receive positivity. Wow. So if you look at it, so, when I say something out loud that's negative, it's 40 to 70 times more likely to happen. And we showed him tons of examples, like a Bill Buckner. We showed him Bill Buckner 12 days before the World Series, 1986, gold glover for, for the Red Sox. He's being interviewed about the World Series. He says, you know, the dream would be obviously to win it, but my nightmare would be to let the game-winning run score on a ground ball through my legs. Oh, goodness Lord. He you know, oh, he spoke it. Like you're speaking it into an existence, and basically. And he shows it, and he plants it in his mind subconscious. He doesn't want it to happen. And then we go right from that. Then we set up the game. We show Mookie Wilson. We show it go under his legs. And our players go, fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so nothing I'm saying is a reach. And then there's articles of, of 
I, I shared with them an article of a guy who got locked inside a refrigerated boxcar that moved uh, meat from one place to another. He's in this freezer, he starts panicking. He's riding down, I'm becoming colder. I'm freezing to death. Hours later, they open up the car. Uh, the temperature was 56 degrees. Turned out the freezing apparatus was broken. Mm. They, there was no physical reason for his death. All they explained, because he thought it, he talked himself into dying. Mm. And example after example, and, and just, if you go on the internet, type the power of negative thinking, it's just way more powerful than the other. Look at our politics today. A, a negative message versus a positive message, not even close. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, our, that's what our media thrives on, right? Right, and, and our media, so what I learned in the special operations community, that these guys, you know, like study new media, they teach them, okay, well, who pays CNN uh, for advertising? Who pays Fox? Who pays MSNBC? Who pays CNBC? So they learn that. Then as they watch it, they, they can watch it responsibly because the media doesn't have a responsibility to be truthful. Right. They have a responsibility to, to and, and so like, you know, it's a lot of times it's like, if you want to get truthful, maybe your best chance is the BBC. And, and so you have the externalization. So just understanding that, Darren, it was like, what if we could get these guys to stop, to stop saying stupid shit out loud? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's all. God. Yeah. And that's all. Just don't say it out loud. And because there was no science that said venting is good for you. Right. A lot of times we, we want to vent, but there's nothing that says you need to vent to move on. Yeah, you know what? I got, a, I, got a, I, got a, I got a I got a question <laughs> for you because there's like the negative side because football players we're always negative. Oh we my god! Mm -hmm. And complain about everything. Oh god, it's too hot outside today. Why are we in pads? Why again? are we in pads? We should be in shells yeah. today. What you know? There's always an argument there. But I've seen. Listen, I've played with some of the, the most confident players ever, the Michael Irvins, the Deion Sanders. And I can remember, like, I, I read a story about uh, Barry Bonds years ago where he would walk up to the plate and say, I'm the baddest motherfucker out here ever. Like, I am the guy. And he would say it into, like, he would speak it into existence over and over and over again. Is there a problem with – because I've never – you know, it's hard to deal with a guy like that in the locker room all the time. But at the same time, you have to appreciate the way they approach things in a way where they speak positivity all the time. And Dion was a guy, Dion Sanders, who we're going to have on the show at some point. But Dion was a guy who would always, these guys kill me about that. Ninth time you said yes, that. Yes, I know. <laughs> but Dion was always a guy who always was, you know, overly confident. Right. Like, Oh, I'm going to shut Jerry Rice down, period. And he would say it over and over again. I, I get it. That's where this whole thing gets fucked up, though. Because, you know, Dion and, and, and Barry, Barry obviously raised by Bobby, um, like they have done, like, you know, I worked for Florida State for 10 years. So I know what Dion did behind the scenes, particularly as a college player. Worked. So he, he worked. He, so he had this unique thing where, the 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 words were a superficial part it was built you know like uh in that weight room and in the film and in studying with tom shaw and all those different types of things so um what 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 we believe is the science just says when when you talk about the heat it moves your mind there and you're 70 times more likely to be thinking about the heat when you should be thinking about your one-on-one -on -one matchup yeah. or whatever coverage you're in. And that, and, and, but you got to respect guys' right to still say stupid shit. 
but right. it's contagious. Mm -hmm. yes. so, like, we just want our guys to know. We show them data. We give them articles. We give them videos. This is the power of negativity. You mm -hmm. can still be that way, but what you'll see over the long course is the people that uh, succeed at a higher level uh, diminish the negativity, not in the mind, but what they say out loud. I even showed them last year uh, Jim Lovell's press conference after Apollo 13, after they got back from uh, the, the ship exploding in the moon. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, is, is he negative, neutral, or positive? 208,000 miles away and your ship explodes on the moon. And, and, and he wasn't negative and he wasn't positive, but he was neutral. And then, so what's neutral? So neutral basically is like, okay, whatever just happened, good or bad is real. Where positive thinking loses people is it requires you to go from a state of negativity to this new state at a speed that's not natural. You know, you're going through a divorce. I remember when I was going through mine, people were saying, um, well, think about all the people you get to meet and date now. I'm like, fucking date? I got married not to date. You know? and, and, and so, like, that wasn't, it was more, what I needed to hear was more, you know, I know how much she meant to you. I'm sorry. Um, you know, how are you feeling? Um, and, and I know that sucks. So, but if I was negative, uh, you know, then I'm gonna go on her Facebook page for an hour. And for every 30 minutes, you visit an ex significant others, social media, it takes you an additional two weeks to get over them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was a series of things I could do that wouldn't be negative, but I wasn't positive. It was more like, uh, this is real. What happens next has nothing to do with how I feel, but what I do. Right. So, so neutral is, all right, we just won the Super Bowl. Uh, it's great. It's real. We earned it. But that has nothing to do with what happens next. Mm -hmm. And I also, like Russ, 124 million people watching, takes him down, throws the pick at the one-yard line. Uh, that's real. Mm -hmm. He owns it. That's true. You know, and, 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 and at that moment, he went back and he watched the film. And for 10 days, he was in pain. Didn't sleep for six days. On the 10th day, he texts me, need to have the best uh, offseason ever. Time to hit the reset button. Mm -hmm. Wow. I talk, I talk in the book, and, and, and all we did was, this is real. He went in. He got graded for the game. He evaluated it. We left Seattle. We went down to San Diego. What, okay, what, what can we do? Uh, train. That's mm -hmm. what we control in our offseason. And, and so we, we found, you know, uh, 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 Ryan Flaherty, a really good trainer for him, and then started focusing. And then what I did – was every morning, because uh, I stayed to go back and forth between San Diego and Arizona, uh, I would show him fourth quarter comebacks uh, going back to high school. And I had them all on video. And we just watched fourth quarter after fourth quarter. So what's the truth? A neutral thinker is a truth-based thinker. You know, I, 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 I typically finish. You know, that's who I am based upon what I do. If I go back to doing that again, that's how I'm going to finish again. And then I had a great offseason. And fit that next year, I had 34 touchdowns, seven picks, best season of his career. Yeah. You no. Know? And, uh, and, but it was based on what he did. So like, to me, the idea of I'm the best player in the world, that's why people don't do sports psychology because they think it is like that when it really needs to be all right. You know what? Uh, I was in a situation where had I completed that pass, I probably make $30 million more in my next contract. I got two Super Bowls in three years, big deal, but that that's not how it went for me. So mm -hmm. uh, what can I do now? And then, and then your language is about having a really good off season, focus on increasing my speed, 
uh, really working on my top end speed. Don't want to get caught from behind anymore. Uh, Thrown to our receivers down here. Going to take our team to Hawaii, help us move. Like, all he's talking about is the things he's going to do, not winning or losing. And that's where, uh, that's where neutral lives. It's, it, it's, it's truth-based, non-judgmental thinking. That's what happened. Or really good. Shoot, I had the Pro Bowl, had an incredible year. That's phenomenal. But then now I need to study what I did so I can do it again. So and you're staying in the medium. Basically, you're not going too high and you're not right. going too low. Yeah. Just going to the truth. Yeah. And, and then, and then it, when they understand the power of negativity, which you've already taught them, then they know that, that talking about it, dwelling on it, watching it, you, like he knew he needed to watch it because that's what you do after games. He did it after he won one. He did it after he lost the Super Bowl. Man, that's being consistent. Like, yeah. That's being consistent. Right. Because, you know, listen, I, I can't remember. I, I can tell you how many times, damn, I wish I would have had your ass back in the day, man. <sighs> this is bullshit. Well, that's what <laughs> I was going to ask you earlier. What was your, Darren, you personally, what was your relationship I, with this, with this, this with yeah, mental training throughout your career? You know what? It's crazy because we're, we're talking about this, and I can see, like, early, I could actually imagine myself early in my career thinking, oh, I got this handle. I got this handle. I can do this. I can, I can be, I'll be all right. I don't need anybody to help me out in this. And then as I've got, you know, I got older, probably like about 27, 26, 27, because I came in as about 21 years old, 26. Then I've had a whole bunch of failures. And now I'm starting that doubt creeps in. And when right. the doubt creeps in is when I definitely would have been thinking, okay, I need a, I need someone to mentally help me through this process. Mm-hmm. And, what, if you, what if you grew up in a program like Georgia or, or Alabama oh. where it was just part of what you did? See that, and that, but that's phenomenal. That's what I'm saying. You don't need to be sick to get better. Exactly. You so already have the resources right there. Right. That's the problem with the industry because Georgia, we got multiple people from clinical to other things, but you, there should be like, like a, what I love about Chris Heron and Tyler, you know, Chris Heron. Yes. Is Chris is like, you know, like some level of Chris and I've been friends for a long time and we're contemporaries in basketball. He was much better, but, but we're, you know, we were, I was out at his facility a couple of years ago and uh, we were, uh, you know, he was talking about like some type of education. Russ and I've been talking about around the mind, around wellness, around, you know, starting in first grade. And he was like, you know, like I'm thinking 10th grade about fucking taking geometry. When's the last fucking time I've seen that rhombus? Some of this stuff could really help. And, and I, think that's, I think that's where we need to go. So from my perspective, I'm always teaching. So Darren, I think had you met me and, and I had an 11 minutes in the meeting or whatever, it would have been like re- reinforcing what already made you good. Right. And you would have been getting some basics that are learning like Ben might teach uh, on the lifting side with uh, nutrient timing or fueling or when to drink water or not eating after eight o'clock. Fred Taylor, the chapter on Fred's incredible. What I would say about Fred is I'll never forget. And I'm open about it because he's open about it. When we sat down with him, Chad and I, Tyler um, said, man, what do you want to do? Like once he knew, because a lot of it in the NFL, like you have to get good at establishing your distance from the coaches, mm-hmm. you know, because I want to make sure I can help them too, because they need help. Let's be honest. But, but I want to give them education to help them. But my relationship with the players are between me and them. 
Okay, so that's a question I would have for you is back to, you know, a lot of the players would be a little concerned about, okay, what's going back to the coaches right. or what's going back to the organization? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, 100%. And, and keeping that separate is awesome. Yeah, and, and you just, like, now I've learned to do it. Like, the NBA is the only place. Anytime I've been to the NBA, I've just sucked ass. I just, like, can't figure it out, really. I don't want to affirm that. But, you know, like, the, the, the players are so dominant within that league um, that, you know, coaches are afraid. I'm, I'm like, uh, last time uh, – well, I would say this time with the team I'm working with, I'm more of an advisor. Um, and, and the second time when I was with Oklahoma City, uh, I had a blast with Billy Donovan for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. But, but, you, but you, you, have to, uh, you have to have, like, a, a really – you know, good understanding of like when I, when the general manager will hire me, I'm going to be like, look, I'm going to be out on that court talking to Billy Donovan because I want to talk to Billy. And then I also might be out in that court, uh, you know, um, you know, talking to uh, Paul George. Right. Like I, I don't want to be you to worry that I'm talking to Billy. All these references. You, know, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's one of the things. And, and my last point before I'll let you guys ask some more questions, but, is why hasn't it grown? Think about the success you guys have had in your own lives or, or, or in your career and, 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 and you're around sports and you still really have no understanding of like what you would be looking for if you were going to hire somebody. Yes. What your expectations yeah. should be for him or her and, and then, you know, how it should help you. And, and, and so um, that is why I have such empathy then as I started looking at the business world, I'd be like, okay, I'm flying to Athens, Georgia, getting in at one in the morning, getting up at 6 a.m., working till 11 o'clock at night, going back and doing the same thing for the three days I'm there. Um, this dude, whose message is nowhere near as battle-tested as mine, is getting on a plane, going here, talking for 90 minutes, and making 20 times what I'm making mm. the same day, mm-hmm. you know, and then Chad and I used to talk about that. And he'd be, and I was like, who's the dumbass? I'm the dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's smart enough to not want to be on the plane. Right. You know, Cause the industry is the business world. Cause the business world gets it. Yeah. You know, like it, it gets it. You got all these. And, and, you know, I think the market is, uh, you know, I don't think you need eight PhDs to write a book. I, I don't think mindfulness is the brand that we should have. Uh, I, I think people just need basic fundamentals uh, and they're on their way. And I don't think you need yeah. to do it every day. I just think, I, I think of myself, Darren, you know, like in, a, in like Russell Wilson's career, as there's a speed limit and it says, you know, 75, uh, you know, on, on the grapevine and uh, that I'm, I'm sitting above the speed limit and I'm a digital readout. Hey man, you're going 88. And right. that's, that's, that's how I can help sometimes. Which we all do on the grapevine, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all do on the grapevine. <laughs> so let, let's go back on that. I, 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 the part of it I, I really want to focus on is, let's say you're, I have a senior in high school. Yep. And had a bad game. Football player, quarterback, had a bad game. Just threw four interceptions and has to move forward. And, and you know, as a kid who's 17 or 18 years old, uh, has to overcome that. And there's a lot of kids that, that that's the struggle. 
yes. overcoming the negativity. And there's so many today in today's world, it's not just yeah. about it's social media. It's so much, you know, give us a little bit of something. Let's say the kid's name is Joe Green out of Seattle when he had through three interceptions. Give us something that you would have that conversation with Joe the next day. So I would probably show him a press conference where Russ threw five picks uh, against Green Bay. And I would show him Russell immediately after the game, um, talking about it, owning it, uh, explaining it. And then uh, I would probably show him uh, the midweek press conference on Thursday. Um, and then Russell's outcome the next game. I'd cut that up a little bit because you'd see how his language, um, his language led his emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think in the press conference uh, in Super Bowl 49 with Russ, followed by the next year with Cam in Super Bowl 50, and I love Cam. He trained down Bradenton, one of my, one of my all-time favorites of people, um, Cam Newton. Uh, and I got to spend a lot of time with him with Ken Dorsey and, and, yeah. uh, and uh, Vinny Testaverde and Winky and, and uh, George Whitfield. And uh, like Russell, Russell immediately went to, this is what I need to do to get me and this team forward. Whereas Cam, which I don't think there was anything wrong with what he did, led by emotion. And, right. and his, his, his A, he got up and walked out of the press conference. Then the next day, he said, you show me a good loser, I'll show you a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. You know, and I believe, I understand exactly what he meant. The problem was, you, you can't move forward thinking that way. And, and truthfully, for whatever reason, Cam's never been the same. I'm sure a lot of it's physically since that press conference, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and so what, what does that mean about Russell? What does that, so I think a lot of it is, Hey man, um, you have to acknowledge that you threw those picks. Right. And, 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 and so, but you've got to go to the truth of those picks. What's the truth? Were you, were you leaning back? So your shoulder dropped and you were sailing it. Uh, did you rush it? Uh, did he run the wrong route? Um, you know, what, like, what are the things that happened? Uh, was it a good throw, you know, and, and evaluated? And, and then what, what's in your control next? Practicing well, the discipline probably to stay, steer clear of social media. Right. Uh, if you need that from the outside in, it's a problem. Uh, because, you know, it, it, I mean, I've talked to multiple guys where they feel like that ended their career, you know. So, but just be mindful of negativity is powerful. And then really focus on, all right, we're playing um, – you know, uh, Allen High School, all right, uh, what are the things that we need to do to do well versus Allen, and how do I impact that, and what can I do to build my confidence in the game plan? Can I throw some quick routes? Can we do some different things going forward? Uh, but uh, if, I, if I am what I do, then when I don't, I'm not. Right. I can't be what I do. I can't be – five touchdowns doesn't make me better than five picks. Mm-hmm. You know, my respect for myself has to be unconditionally – and, and that's where you can make fun of self-esteem all you want, but having a healthy self-esteem as a senior means you can handle four picks. Right. Yeah. That, that point right there. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'll just say that point right there is what awesome. I've been thinking for the last 20 minutes of this conversation is how much of your message is who am I versus what I do? Yeah. Like for me, yeah. for instance, my, my, my career was ended. I've talked about this before. My career was ended by a knee injury. That was my last game was, was I tore my ACL. I had spent so much time focused on what I, what I did. I never spent any time on who I was. And so for years after that injury, I'm depressed. I'm thinking, what am I worth now? Because I never spent any time on myself and who I am. 
So I'm wondering how much of your message is focused on who you are versus what you do. Well, I also think, think about how many people, uh, it's not about who they are, but who they think they're not. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have what Tyler has. Right. I didn't grow up the way Darren has. So I'm constantly comparing myself to who I think I'm not. Like, do you want to know the secret to Russell Wilson? The most incredible thing, because I can tell you, I promise I've learned a lot more from him than from me, um, um, than he's learned from me. And I think the secret is Russell is so focused on using the gifts that he has. That's it. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not 6'4". He knows he doesn't have very specific things that certain coaches and programs are going to want. He is at peace with that. He knows his team is missing key elements. You're never going to hear him complain about the offensive line. You're never going to hear him say we don't have weapons. He never even talks about it. Now, does he, do he and his agent have the strategic things to build the organization? Um, you know, that, maybe that's happening, but you're not going to catch him say, you know, why don't I have Joe Thomas? Yeah. There's nothing he can do about it. Mm-hmm. So this is what he's got. I mean, I, I'm watching. I'm, I'm with the, the family, and we're, we're uh, playing the Eagles. And in the fourth quarter, two guys caught balls that I didn't even know their names. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never even heard of them before. One of them, it was his first catch of the season. Right. And he doesn't – that's what he's got. Uh-huh. Right? So how many people are spending their lives thinking about what they don't have Rather than I'm 5'10", you know, how do I maximize that? How do I, how do I develop my lateral quickness? Uh, I got big hands. How do I use that? You know, like how do I use the things I have? And, and if I don't make it, I, I lay it all out there. It's not because uh, I didn't give the gifts I have the best chance. Um, I learned that, you know, as a college basketball player, my fr- second game was University of San Diego. I got dunked on like four minutes in. I said, yeah, I do not deserve to be playing college basketball. Wait, wait, wait. You had balls in the face the whole nine? The whole nine, D. And and that moment lives with me my whole career. I never dream it. I shoot a thousand jumpers a day. I was never going to be great, you know, but but I could have been better. You know, so so I I think that that's – to me, I'm a big believer in you can do yourself in – to changing your feelings. Mm-hmm. So if I start walking, uh, you know, in the morning, I get myself set multiple alarms halfway through that walk. I'm going to be glad I walked. Yes. Yeah. Behavior precedes my success. Yes. And yeah. As you guys eight months into this podcast, how are we going to be one of the best, you know, like you're not going to be the best constantly comparing yourself to Joe Rogan. Right. But, you know, you got to figure out, are there some things I can learn from Joe Rogan? Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, you know, or Adam Carolla or Jim Rome or whatever, but how, you know, how, how do we take what we bring, uh, you know, with our, with our, our, our star athlete, with our player, with our uh, physiological fitness and understanding and the places we go and bring them forward, get good guests, do what good podcasts do. That's right. Trevor, I got a question kind of piggybacking off a lot of this, you know, Ben asked like, okay, Hey, I, it's what I do versus who I am and all that. Right. But as you're, as you're giving these athletes, these businesses, you know, tips on, hey, how do we address it? How do we change our thinking? You know, how do we stay neutral? All those things. But how much are you addressing with these individuals who they are, where they came from, what has been ingrained in them as a child? Because I think of it as two ways, right? Like, are you growing or are you gaining, right? Are you growing like you're changing, 
Like you're actually changing how, what you've been wired to do over years and years of experiences versus, hey, here's some tips on how to increase productivity, be more effective, make more money, whatever it is, right? Yeah. What is the balance between those two as you are, as you are talking with clients, you know, teams, whoever it may be? So I'm a big believer in developing a real foundation for the organization. So like before you can start specifically saying, okay, well, how are you guys targeting your marketing? How are you targeting North Texas versus South Texas? Things like that. I don't get there for a long time. You know, like for me, there's just, there's kind of these units, these pods, where we got to understand outside effect inside, inside effect outside. What does a movie do to me? What does watching TV do to me? What does music do to me? Uh, you know, uh, how can I influence myself? Uh, how does Ben influence me? Uh, how does my family background connect? But it's, it's kind of all uh, broad and establishing a foundation, uh, you know, almost like uh, knee, you know, like uh, knee skips. And it's really working on something that you're going to apply later. And then I think as you've established that, then you start uh, evolving more into the individual. Um, and, yeah. and, and so I have, you know, a hand, like a handful of CEOs, top military, top business People, you know, where even as I, as I do them individually, they still need the foundation. Yeah. And this is where I think in my mind, and I really appreciate that question, where the change around psychological growth can, can occur if we demystify it. Mm. Like if, 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 you know, if we go right to the core, the families, the parents, or we go right to meditating, or we go right to these things, hey, just be positive. We're going to lose people quick. Yeah. If we go more to the simple things like, what, what do I say out loud? Because this is the power of it. Mm-hmm. What do I watch? You know, three minutes of cable news before 9 a.m. increases your probability by 27% to say you had a terrible day. 27%, three minutes of news. Wow. Imagine now, right? You know, and, and, and music is one of the most powerful predictors and perpetuators of our performance. You know, you, 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 uh, you're going through a difficult situation personally uh, and you listen to difficult situation, little music uh, that makes you sad personally, uh, you're going to facilitate that. You change that music um, and you, and you get to the science of chord progressions, keys, etc. cetera. Uh, it changes how your body feels, mm-hmm. changes your chemistry, you know? And, and so uh, I think, what are all the things that I can control? I always control what I say out loud. No, like Tyler, you're always in control of what you say out loud. What is the psychological world trying to get you to do? Change what you think inside. That's fucking hard, bro. Like, and I, I've been around tons of athletes. Darren's had nights before or days before games where he's, his mind's been, oh, my God, I got this and that. But he's not talking about it. Game gets there. Only think of one thing at a time, and he's going to kick steps, going whatever he's got to do. And he's, that's where his mind goes, and he plays a good game. You know, but when he starts talking about it, he's on his phone, man. I don't know how I match up with this person. Yeah. And he Bill yeah. Buckner's himself. You know, so just giving people the basics first. Yeah, the foundational truths that apply to everybody across the board as opposed to what's necessarily true to you right now, specifically. That's how I think, and I think a lot of that truth, Tyler, is like just because I I don't see myself any different really than a U.S. history teacher. Yeah. And and I know that we're going to start out U.S. history in eighth grade, executive, Mm -hmm. legislative, judicial, at least when we did have three branches of government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, he's just speaking truths. It's neutral. <laughs> and, 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 and we're going to go through, but 
But, you know, the eighth grade version of U.S. history versus 11th grade, regular U.S. history versus AP U.S. history, they're all different. Information is similar. But, like, uh, I just think the mind has been presented to all of us, including me, Mm -hmm. uh, starting with, like, the most complicated elements. Yeah. And I just think if you you learned how to be less negative or your son, that quarterback, learned how to be less negative and never – ever learned how to be more positive, but just learned how to be less negative, it would change his life forever. What do you about, what do you think about surrounding yourself with that? I mean, look, I mean, going into a CEO, let's say you're going into a, a business and it's a CEO business has been bad coming off COVID and businesses has been down. I mean, what is your approach? Are you going to specifically the CEO or are you bringing the entire C-suite group in for a conversation? So Limitless Minds, like, you know, my company, Moa Consulting, is really more athletes and some teams, how I kind of do that. Limitless Minds, our goal, Russ and I was like, how do we affect the highest volume of people? It's not going to be me flying on a plane. I can do that a handful, certainly now, but Mm -hmm. back then, like, we had to create digital content. Um, uh, We had to create videos, micro videos, education. So staying with you all the time pops up on our app. You get a 90-second video, it's Russ, whatever. It's reminding you on how to stay neutral today, all those things. We did a really good job building it. Russell's older brother, Harrison, and his business partner, DJ, were in the pharmaceutical space, which you guys know is a ton of money. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, Russell's brother was with uh, Harrison, was with us the night before one of the Super Bowls, and just sat in there as big bro and listened to what me and Russ were doing before Russ uh, went, back, went from the house he was renting where he could kind of chill out and go back to the game uh, or go back to meetings uh, or chapel. I think it was the night before the game. And, and he literally said, why does my brother get training and educational stuff that I've never fucking heard in the business world? I don't hear anything about neutral, negative, these, you know, conversations, or even just had the conversation situationally about, about if the game didn't go well, what happened, how we play. If you sit back at, at the end and you're able to look back and you feel really good about a team performance, what are four or five things that had to happen and how did you influence those? You know, just a conference, like, but just all behavior, not outcomes, not six touchdowns or any of that stuff. That's going to happen if you do it right. Uh, and you got to get lucky to have a big offensive game in your league. The defenses are really good. Um, so uh, we started and, and we went to Seattle where Russ is from, uh, where I grew up and we, they, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs got 15, uh, High earners worth $25 million or more. Uh, Russell got them into a room and I talked to them for two hours. And we said, this is what we teach. Do you think this would be uh, resonate in the business world? Because what I had to keep telling Russell, because athletes think anything they do is going to work. Right. I said, it's only going to make sense if the, if the business market is interested in what we've been teaching. If they're not, you know, if they want to, if everything's about meditation or whatever, or they want to go back to Dale Carnegie's sales training, then let's not even mess around with this. And right away, you know, so you had the top guys at Amazon, Microsoft, Starbucks, and they were, you know, if we had had a business plan ready, they would have probably signed LOIs at that time. So we knew we had something that was interesting. And, and, and now I think we've got something. uh, And I think uniquely, like we just did a webinar together for 127,000 people, like some of the, as challenging as this has been, uh, I think a lot of us have learned to be a little more fluent with this technology. And in some ways you can reach more people. Mm. Um, so 
so that was really the goal, I think, um, uh, Ben, is that, you know, Tyler, is how do you reach more people? Um, and so the business will basically hire us. A lot of times it might be starting with a Zoom, a bigger conversation, probably two or three with like the oncology division of a pharmaceutical unit or the aerospace division of one of those things. We'll talk to a division, everybody, we'll give them the basics. And then we drill down and we have subcomponents, follow-ups, customized podcasts, all those elements just for that division, just for that group. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to, we're going to, I want to ask a couple of random questions here early, early in the conversation, you know, you were, you talked about being brought in to help guys at the combine and there's certain guys that just didn't do well at the combine. Why do some guys that physically maybe are, are exceptional and, you know, they're a, they're a four, four guy and they can, you know, they got a 37 inch vert, but they go to the combine and they don't perform well. What are, what are the reasons for those guys not actually reaching their potential on a day like that? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've been with a few of them, you know, and um, one that really jumps out at me is like Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like in my mind, Muhammad. Uh, But uh, so psychologically, there's a, there's a, there's a truth called the law of substitution. So on average, subconsciously, we have 800 to 1400 words moving through our mind a minute. Like if I was to ask, Hey Ben, do you ever find yourself over the course of a day, not out loud, but just in your mind talking to yourself? If Ben's like, no, you know, and, and then, and then I think or something. Ben's like, I don't think I talk to myself as I talk to myself. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we, we all do it. Yep. You know, and that voice has influence, but not the power of when Ben speaks it out loud. Uh, but also the other truth is Tyler, at any given moment, you can only think about one thing at a time. So as soon as you're, your, your mind goes to uh, stay low, drive my hand forward, mm-hmm. uh, look for the hips to drop. You know, um, uh, as soon as my mind goes to a specific thing, everything's blocked out. So, like, the idea is, is like, let's say uh, Florida State 2013, we walk in to play Clemson. You know, 90,000 people, every alumni that's ever been there, the crowd, all the things. The simple truth is, if my mind's on, okay, these are the four or five things I need to do to play well, which I work with our guys all summer. And I got it from Michael Johnson, just like this. He, he just called it his grocery list. He said, I go into Safeway, I write eight things down. I walk in Safeway, I walk out. If I don't, I'm in aisle nine going, the fuck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to, so, you know, like, what are the things? So if I can get my mind there, I think that's really, really powerful. And then, so I go into the game and, and I'm focused there. As soon as, uh, so I can only think about one thing at a time. As soon as I shift and I start looking at the crowd or start engaging, my mind immediately goes there and it can't be thinking about driving my hand full. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I learned um, from Michael uh, Johnson was it's okay to be distracted as long as you recognize it and you can get yourself back to what you should be thinking about. Right. Yeah. What happens in Indianapolis, um, A, you don't have the external stimuli of a crowd. B, you start seeing these guys at the, uh, at the starting line and you start looking saying that's Al Davis or that's Tom Coughlin, or that's those things. And your mind goes there and then, uh, see, you start going away from your script. You know, that somebody like Ben worked on with you, drive my arms forward, high knees, you know, picking my spot that I'm looking for. Uh, and the moment consumes you, uh, because you're doing the things that are giving the moment an opportunity as opposed to, uh, really ex- understanding 
this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it is. Um, you know, I was with Anquan Bolden too. Anquan ran An- uh, four seven. Mm-hmm. You know, your boy Romo might still be running his forty. I was with I was with Tony at that one. I'll never forget. Oh. He, came early, he came early to throw balls, and and uh, you know, and then oh, Antonio, the speed, the speed guy, and like Romo literally like stands up, like waves to people, that starts running. <laughs> Faster than he ran, but uh, you yeah, know. Yeah. So why does why did, why does Brady get so much crap when Tony should too? Right? Like yeah. they both wore the nasty grays. I mean, it was just like. Tony used to come down to Bradenton from Eastern Illinois in the off seasons. He was friends with Dan Henson, Drew Henson's dad. Yeah. Drew yeah. Henson. Yeah. And uh, and so I knew Tony forever. Just you know, I'm at uh, obviously not as much in the last 15 years. I hear from Chad, but. But he's just a good dude. And every night, man, he came over. We'd watch movies and we'd go out and throw. And then yeah, we, I remember we kind of kept talking like, hey, you know, I know you're here to throw for all these other guys, but you're going to have your opportunity. Truthfully, it was like the last of seven days uh, for him because he'd come early. So I just think he was just like, what does it matter? But I, I think he uh, – had he ran better, I think he probably would have gone in the sixth round. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. No question, because yeah. even Byron, like Byron and Tony weren't close. Tony was definitely, um, uh, you know, had his own personality, I, I, a really cool dude. But everybody for a man, even back then when he was 21 years old, was like, that dude can play football. Yeah, he could spin yeah. it. He could spin it. That Absolutely. dude can play. Yes, yes. So true. I liked having Tony because it was the first highlight video that I'd made to like a, a hip-hop version of Dave Matthews' Crash. You know, I was like, okay, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So do that same exercise, but now you're talking to a salesman who's going to give a presentation to a big prospect, right? Yeah. Talk through that mind. Hey, the pressure is on to perform. I'm prepared for it, but now I'm walking into this boardroom and I'm about to talk to, you know, 16 members of the C-suite of this company. Right. So I think any business is about like the, the value proposition. If I'm going to take the time and listen to your show, what value does it provide? Like, I think in sports psychology, I found a way, mental conditioning, to have a job because I haven't waited in an office for people to come to me. You know, <clears throat> whether it's making videos, breaking down film, um, you know, uh, teaching the wonder. Like, I mean, everything I, I did, helping coaches with their uh, preparation for uh, their press conferences, speeches, all that stuff, um, you know, that's how I think I've built more relevance than uh, – than sitting with somebody Mm -hmm. one-on-one. But ultimately, it's a matter of, I think in that conversation, only think about one thing at a time. Um, So within this 15 to 20 minutes, um, you know, what's the intent? Like, like what's the intent? I want them to understand um, that Provasic, while similar to other products, is better because it allows you to retain your memory longer. So that's the intent, okay? and then let's break down the way that you're going to establish that value. Um, take away what you're, what you're reading right now, but uh, what establishes that value? Uh, you know, cost, price, health, statistics, numbers. How can we color that? Add story, add context. Like with Coach Saban, we talk a lot about, all right, we're going to talk about we got these injuries, but then we're going to add a story of Apollo 13 about uh, sticking a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. We're going to add that 
to working with what we have to find an answer to, to tell the story better than just saying we got injuries, mm-hmm. you know, and, and adding. So, so, you know, you, you're trying to add some elements to that, um, you know, uh, having a conversation. Why do you feel prepared? Um, who are you going to look at? Where are you going to target? Um, you, you know, we're not going to build emotion uh, off people's facial expressions. Um, and then really, are you balancing up the mediums? The average attention span could be four to six minutes. Talking, video, overhead, slide, you know, all the different elements that are going to keep the attention uh, in a way, you know, all stuff I learned from teaching. Because if I didn't, the dudes in LA would start, you know, fighting me. <laughs> but, but I, I think, but it, it's, a, it's a conversation in and around that. And then, you know, lastly, like, like, uh, like what does success, success look like? You know, if ultimately, you know, you made the point, that's all you can do. That's what I love about the military. The military has this thing called commander's intent. So think of the Bin Laden mission. You have the plan and the plan is, all right, we're going to have these three helicopters. We're going to do this. We're going to go from uh, Abbottabad. Or we're going to go from Jalalabad, Pakistan, we're going to go to uh, uh, our Afghanistan to Abbottabad, Pakistan. And we're going to go in and we're going to do this. We're going to get to the top four. And uh, uh, then we're going to do this. We're going to breach here, here, and here. Okay, that's the plan. What's the intent? Get to the third floor, smoke the dude. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the intent. Like, no matter what happens with the plan, you're getting to the top four and you're, and, and, and you're eliminating him. And so that's why there are guys when the plan failed and the helicopter crashed the intent didn't change yeah right you know and and that's i think an important mindset even we're dealing with right now you know in life like like what do i control um and and like for me in in with everything going on with life right now uh uh, it's just i try to get factual information from a government website or one of the nba teams i work with this is what's going on in la this is what you have to do these are the things that you can control um, and then live by the truth um, and, and then not put myself in a situation. If I watch a lot of TV in and around health going all the way back to when I was 18 years old, I get really scared and it takes away my bandwidth to have a good conversation like this. Yeah. No, That's I, just love it. I love it. So I, I want to ask you, cause we're really real and transparent on this, right? We talk about, you know, Darren future hall of famer, you know, he's in the ring of honor for the Dallas Cowboys. Like people look at him and like, Oh, his life is easy. He doesn't deal with anything. And we want to make it very clear that, that there are, there are struggles across the board, no matter who you are. They, they may look different, but, and then we struggle with a lot of the same things. Talk us through, you know, you coach this, right? But you also have to practice this yourself. So talk us through a scenario where, hey, this is, this is an account that I really wanted to win or this is a team I really wanted to get in front of and you faced adversity. Like, what is the mindset that you're going through? And you've talked about neutral thinking and all that, but really, what does that look like for you and how do you address that? Yeah, I think across, that's a great question. I think across the board, uh, like the idea of being neutral even if you just related it to health and you got a specific diagnosis in that moment that that was true, but a lot of times health is fluid. So you, you're focused next on the plan you're putting into place and what you can do going forward. You're having the discipline to stay off the internet, <clears throat> trust the people you're talking to. I think in the business, in the business world. So, you know, I did, I put all this money into this book. We launched it Super Bowl February 3rd, February 4th. And then a month later, all this stuff happens. I had like 17 speaking events booked. I'd hired an agent mm. for a lot of money. I lost every speaking event, yeah, right. you know? And, and so, um, so no matter what happens this year, I'm going to be probably net 50% minus 
So I've had to readjust my own expectations, then go back into the sports world and find uh, some of the people that I'm close with starting new programs that are able to get it done, even as they don't know if the season's going to happen. And then with that, you know, and find a way, okay. Uh, life kind of is like this, I think, Tyler. Like, what can I do? Like, like, what can I do right now? All this shit's going on. I'm fucking up in the mountains, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, what can I do? Right? Like, like, what, like, what can I do? Okay, I can still find a way to make sure I can cover this, this, and this, do my payroll, all these things. Uh, I'm not maybe going to hit there. That's okay. Uh, and then I got to stay really neutral because, um, you know, maybe vaccines come, maybe they don't. I don't know. Maybe it's 18 months. Maybe it's eight months. Maybe it's eight days. You know, like, I, I want to give tomorrow a chance to have its own history and a life. Mm, yeah, I want to protect sure. my problems with today on tomorrow and, and already write my story when there's too many new things going on. That's just the reality right now is things are really, really fluid. You know, it, it's, uh, I'm glad that for 44 years of my life, I got to live what was normal. Um, I don't know what the next years are going to look like. You know, I, I uh, you know, um, but I'm optimistic that we'll find a way through and that business wise, uh, the message that, that we teach to limitless minds or myself still has relevance. Mm -hmm. I want to also make sure I'm around really good people right. who are equally looking to find creative solutions. And, and I think for our business, we, we've found uh, certain things. I think uh, our, our business limitless minds is on track to have an incredible year. Awesome. Um, and I think uh, uh, myself personally, maybe different than I expected, but I, I modified that. And what I'm really happy is that, that the book makes sense and it's resonating because I think neutral thinking truthfully is going to probably be the best place we're going to be able to get for a while. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. like yeah. tomorrow could be different and this is what I can do to influence that. You mm -hmm. know, like what am I doing now? I'm up at a place where um, I'm controlling my environment to the degree that I can uh, with my niece and uh, you know, kind of relaxing and then, I'll get back Sunday night and yeah. do everything I got to do next week. To you, you know, one of the most important things that I, that I learned today is like you, you have individually, you have to understand you. Yes. You have to understand your limitations, your strengths or whatnot, because you can't move forward until you deal with self. Yeah. And, well, and, and your triggers, Darren. Exactly. You know, the things that affect you, like I don't, I don't mandate like you can't watch the news. Right. I know that what the studies say, and I know how it affects me, I can watch politics, but the health stuff really scares me. Even right. ESPN, when I watch the ticker, and it's got, this guy's got sick, this guy's got like, so I can't watch ESPN right now. Right. At a point, I get to the point where eventually, because then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, dude, I know that dude. Like, what? You know, right. and, 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 and so, but I know they got to do what they got to do to sell. Mm -hmm. And putting, you know, baseball's got, you know, 3,400 players and, uh, you know, 1.3% test positive, but putting every one of the 1.3% on the bottom, uh, particularly the bigger names is what's going to sell. Yeah. And then I see that. And then I'm like, you know, terrified. Right. You know? And, and so I think for me, uh, my, my bigger point um, is, but that might not bother other people. It might not even phase them. Right. Oh, but uh, like, so I, I just think that Darren knowing Darren, Ben knowing Ben, Tyler knowing it, like yeah. then that that uh, informs your behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm not, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to watch that right now. Like I'm going to watch uh, fucking Pretty Women. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, your point. Yeah, stop looking at Instagram and making your life through look at it through the lens of someone else's life, this fake life on Instagram, right? Understanding right. who you are, yeah. what triggers you, like you said, how you operate. And then look, you've got the foundational truths, you know, that, that you provide. And I want you to start, I want you to start helping our listeners, you know, find you one and then resources that you can provide. And then ways maybe that corporations, you know, if C-level executives are listening right now, how to, how to connect with you on limitless minds and all that. Like I want you to do that, but gosh, you gotta, you gotta stop living through someone else's life. And everything that we're doing right now is, is we are, we are loathing after what someone else is living, which is not even reality. Right. And just live in the present. And I love, I love the neutral thinking, right? We're not living in the past. We're not living in the future. We're living right now. And we're going to do what we can do and control what we can control right now. Let the rest go. And, and accept that the feelings do. are all over the place. Yes. Yeah, right. it's, yeah exactly. Don't judge feelings, just mandate your next behavior. That's right. And I think that that's, I think that that's something that's really powerful. And, and, you know, ultimately people either would be like, Oh my God, your dad was this positive thinker. And I was like, I ultimately looked at a car, a car can't be going backwards and then all of a sudden be going forwards mm -hmm. and getting to neutral is just like, all right, I've stopped and I can go backwards again if I start doing that stuff mm -hmm. or I can start to go forwards. And, and, uh, it is scary when it comes to health. It is scary when it comes to personal relationships. I mean, I, you know, and I've mentioned it three or four times, but like, I start thinking like, well, how do you meet somebody in 2020? You know, like, um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, right now, how do you do simple better, which is one I got from Dr. Elko or, you know, which I think came originally from, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the guy that coached the Cubs, Joe Madden, do simple better, like wake up, exercise, eat, make sure I'm doing the things that I need to do when I'm out in public. I'm, I'm, I'm smart. I'm all the different types of things. And that's where I, you know, fortunately for me, I, I don't have a political leaning one way or the other. And I'm able to get the data from these teams that just say, if you do A, this will help you with B. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, and then if, if, if something happens and it goes the wrong way on you, uh, just, you know, stay, you know, trust in yourself, taking your medication, doing what you got to do and riding through it and, and, and you know, uh, kind of moving forward. But uh, um, I just think, like, uh, the last point that I would make is judgment is a killer. Yes. You know, like uh, – I remember hearing Matt McConaughey say, if there's one thing we know about people, they're going to act like people, you know? And, and I had a quarterback that played in the NFL um, four or five years ago who, who had a really good first couple seasons, but he was really struggling with his head coach. And I remember, you know, uh, CAA had asked me to go out and spend some time with him. And uh, I remember we just sat down, we talked, and he was like, you know, this is how I came in. I was doing this, this, and this is what our coordinator was like. But, you know, this guy's this, this, and this, and he's always singling me out. Like, everything he was saying was true. He really wasn't complaining. It was just like this, is, this was his reality and how it was affecting him and affecting what he was looking at during the games. And, and then, I, you know, I listened. And then the next uh, – I was going to come back the next week. And I came back the next week. And I brought uh, the same uh, coach. And I played him uh, from three different press conferences – the same coach talking about seven players exactly the same way he was talking about this quarterback. Wow. The quarterback had no idea that all the things he was saying about him, he was saying about all those other guys. Right. And I said, could it be that this dude's just a dick? 
that that's what he is. Right. So, and, and whether he likes you or not, he's not really treating you any different than anybody else. Mm. So are you going to concede your year to that? Yeah. Accept him for who he is. Yeah. It's, he's not meaning to do it to you. And deep down, he's probably not that way. That's how he communicates with the media. Like, what are you going to do to give yourself a chance to play better in these next five games? I love it. I love it. I love it. Accept him for who he is. Right now in certain areas in our politics, in our business, in our other things, we got to accept some things right now. Uh, and then we got to influence them however we think we can. Um, and, and then we, we, sometimes you have to accept the uncomfortability. There are still a lot of things that we control. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to spend my whole life thinking about a football game that's not going to have any people at it. I'm going to focus like uh, in already having some conversations with NBA people in Orlando that just got there two days ago. Now they're quarantining. Um, you know, I was having a conversation uh, with one of our uh, uh, coaches yesterday and I had been looking through old video. I was going through the old just do it commercials from the nineties. And, you know, Darren, <laughs> <Riley knows. laughs> we're a little, we're a little older than these dudes. And, uh, and, uh, but one of the commercials, they were so good. Um, uh, it said, greatness needs a lot of things, but it doesn't need an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just thought like, A, how true is that for now? Oh, man, that's mm-hmm. so true. You know, and like, A, for those guys that aren't going to play in front of one. But I think B, uh, like, while you're in your room, what are you doing? Is it only video games? Is it stretching? Is it a combination? I mean, like, you know, you're away from your family. Those guys... Those guys, if they go the distance, they're going to be away. It'll be six weeks before their families can even join them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a totally. And then I don't know how you guys are, Ben and Tyler. Like I'm like on uh, pins and nails watching to see if the NBA can pull this off. Yeah. Because it's really because if 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 they've taken all these precautions and they can't, like what does that mean? What impact does that have on well, the NFL? What does yeah. it have on right. you know all well, these that, other? That's sports, my thought. Right? Is like how if one guy gets it. And, you know, he's got to be quarantined. Well, who did he come in contact with on the team? And then you got, you know, half your team's out or your coaches. And I just don't – shut everything. I mean, I don't want to be a negative thinker. I don't want to be a negative thinker. But I just don't – I don't see how you can make it through a full season. Well, I think what's good is at least knowing that league, uh, what they're doing is testing the players uh, for the most part every day. So Mm -hmm. if a guy does test positive, he can quarantine. Yeah. They'll need two negative tests to get back after 14 days. But uh, because you've been testing all the other guys every day, you don't have to take the whole team out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think that there's a plan in place kind of for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but obviously, uh, you know, you, you still have uh, like, look at that major league baseball. All those players are going home every day. You know, the right. NBA is going back to a, a controlled mm-hmm. environment. What, what are the people at your house? What have they done? So, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot uh, that's going to be interesting yeah. to, in how you manage it um, kind of going forward. Obviously, it's an age that, that if they have this challenge, they move through pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah. To the degree that you can control uh, the spread. I listened to my niece's college orientation yesterday for Point Loma. It was crazy. Like, I mean, just, A, it's a virtual uh, orientation and just all the things that they're doing on that campus 
to try to keep people safe. 4,000 students. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, you also think about the football season, like if Pat Mahomes gets it or, yeah. you know, there's such an asterisk next to, I just think there's going to be such an asterisk next to the season. Cause you can't help who gets it and, yeah. and you know how long they're out. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's just a fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's so many levels and we could talk for another hour and a half. No, on, I, 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 mean, I agree. I, I, I know, agree about that. So, but anyways, uh, yeah. It's insane no, uh, the impact that it could have on our country. I mean, you just look at it economically, right? Yeah. Like look at the impact. If you don't have an NFL season, like that $20 billion number, mm-hmm is big okay now let's talk about collegiate football oh, right that number is yeah. even bigger oh, right yeah. so like it's just an insane impact that this could have and i mean i just man I, i'm just uh i'm not smart enough to figure it out i just hope yeah. that there are people out there smart enough to figure it out <laughs> and bold I, enough I, I hope so too i'm praying for that yes. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. all right all right so i want you to talk about your book how people can find it what the name of it is um, and then I want to talk about Limitless Minds and then any projects uh, that you are accessible to, you know, certain audiences that can take advantage of your, of your skills and teachings. Yeah, uh, the book is called It Takes What It Takes, um, uh, How to Gain Control of Your Life and Think Neutrally. Um, it's anywhere, you know, it's on, it's on uh, HarperCollins, um, uh, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes & Noble, uh, any place that you could go get a book. On the 19th of this month, it's, it's about $20, $21, uh, but on the 19th of this month, we're actually going to have uh, the ebook uh, on Kindle uh, or Audible will be $4. So you could buy it uh, on the 19th of the month. It's done, it, you know, truthfully, it's done really, really well, which has been incredible. Particularly, my biggest concerns was not a lot of people knew who I was. Um, Russell Wilson wrote the forward. He yeah. also reads the forward. Uh, 12 chapters. Uh, and I think it's a, if you listen to it, it's about three hours and 20 minutes, really easy. And uh, the book is kind of like a textbook in this, not a textbook in how it reads, because it's a lot of stories um, and examples in sports and out of sports, but just a, a really basic guideline. You don't need a lot of pre-education to read this book. Yeah. And I think yeah. what's the unique value proposition is I think we did a really good job of establishing the negative of negativity. And then I think we also established the idea that neutral thinking um, is, is a, a legitimate third way to look at that psychological paradigm. Um, social media, I'm pretty new to it, uh, but uh, Instagram, I'm at Trevor Mowad. I yeah. try to, you know, post. Um, Spell your last I, name so people can find it just a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a common name in Beirut, Lebanon, but uh, <laughs> uh, people always find crazy to know well, that. You're, uh, you're a blonde haired blue guy, blue, blue eyes guy. I know I'm a blue eyed guy that that's the majority Lebanese more than anything else. <laughs> but T R E V O R M O A W A D. And that's same for Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, some of the other mediums um, mm-hmm. a- a- as well. Um, and then Limitless Minds is uh, thinkbig-gofar.com. Just look up Limitless Minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson is uh, one of the co-founders and chairman. I'm the uh, CEO. We have two other partners, Harrison Wilson and DJ Eitzen. Uh, I really like the business, uh, Tyler. I think it's, awesome. in, uh, you know, knowing this world, because my dad was, was in this world, I think it's innovative. I think it's on time. I think the message is good. I think there are a lot of good business options people can obviously get, uh, but I like what we're doing. I, I like our 
fluidity and our ability to, to adjust. Um, and so uh, we're, we're still green and growing, that's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, Limitless Minds. We have content on our website. You can download uh, 10 podcasts that we did uh, the last couple of months with uh, people like Corey Close, women's basketball coach at UCLA, Mel Tucker from Michigan State, um, you know, uh, Frank Caliendo, uh, but all, you know, just all sorts of different things. Which Christine means that Ford, John Madden, John Gruden, but Lex Gillette, you know, the great uh, uh, long jumper uh, from uh, who's blind, uh, who I met through Michael Johnson, uh, who has an incredible story uh, about, you know, having 14 surgeries at eight years old and going blind and, and being able to jump a uh, ridiculous amount. So, uh, and we got some really cool content you can get uh, as well. But I like the book just as a starting point. You know, I just think it's easy. I think uh, a 14-year-old can read it just as much as a 65-year-old. You know, I always ask, and you guys get this, people are like, well, you're a sports guy. How does it relate? Man, fucking sports is the ultimate business. Yeah, it is. 28% of our guys in your league are making it to a fourth year, uh, let alone a fifth or sixth year. Uh, You know, the guys that have Darren's career, uh, they don't happen. Um, and, and, and you're tr- publicly traded in front of the world, you know, every Friday, Saturday or Sunday or, or Thursday, yeah. you know, and, and so it's the ultimate business and almost 35% of our coaches in pro sports are getting canned every year, yep, you right. know, it's a tough job. So I'm proud to come from the sports world, but I think it all relates. It does relate, man. It, you, absolutely. And it takes what it takes is a book that we're going to actually promote, man, and, and get out there. Uh, I'm going to get on it myself mm-hmm. yeah. because, you know, again, you know, listen, there's so many tools that are out there, resources that are out there Agreed. that we've never like that. A guy who's been in the sports world forever. I still, we haven't even scratched the surface, man. Yeah. What you're bringing to the table, man, is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, uh, what you've great. done with Russell is just phenomenal. And it shows every day, every time Russell gets in front of the camera, yeah. man, you see the positive yeah. You see that, that, that ability to overcome. So, man, we really appreciate you there. You have one yeah. more question. Let's end it with one question. Yeah. Yeah. So they say no idea is original. This, I actually stole this question. You were actually on a podcast that I stole this question. Uh, drama. Okay. Young and Reckless. Uh, so the question is, you can look back, or sorry, you can go back to any time in your life and tell yourself one thing. Where do you go and what do you tell yourself? You know, I, I go back to 2008 when I got the opportunity to take a big job from uh, overseeing five people to 80 people and became the director of performance at IMG Academy. Um, I would go back and, and uh, tell myself to really think through uh, how I can not only be an excellent business leader, but how through these changes I could be a better husband. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I go back and, and am so disappointed, not because uh, – I did something wrong per se. I just didn't do enough things right. Mm. Um, and, I, and, you know, it, it's really disappointing uh, for me because I think everything that could have allowed that uh, to continue uh, was within my control uh, and I didn't do it. And so I, I just wish I would have thought more about it and, and, and not thought making money or whatever uh, was enough. Uh, I, I just, you know, connection with people is a really big deal. Mm. You got to work on it. Uh, and when you're busy, uh, you can still be a good father, uh, a, a good mother, and you can still be a really good husband or spouse. Um, and, uh, you know, I've made my priorities success at work, and I regret that. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Again, transparency, man. We really appreciate you sharing that. And again, Moad Consulting Group is another website, uh, moadconsultinggroup.com. Yeah, we bought them all. Yeah, Uh, but thank you so much for your time. You know, keep keep impacting those teams, individuals, companies, uh, because really I wish I wish our entire country and globe could have the perspective that you just shared with and us. And we're going to continue so to push, we're going to continue to push your message, man. I hey, mean, hey, yeah, anytime you need even a situational thing, let's stay connected. Please yeah. make sure you get my uh, cell phone from John. Yeah, uh, still might be in some of the girls' bathrooms in McKinney. <laughs> <laughs> just in case it's not, let's make sure we uh, we stay connected. But hey, you know, particularly for you guys right now in Texas, man. Uh, wishing everybody to stay safe out there, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks, Trevor. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.